Well, I want to take a moment and talk to our church family today. If you are visiting, feel free to listen in. You'll get a good picture of who we are and how to respond to adversity and trouble. Our team has a real sense that that as a church and a team that we are in a time of intense spiritual warfare. The reality is I don't like to give Satan much credit. I think many times we blame the devil that we're just trying to avoid responsibility for our mistakes and our failures. Right? If you never change the oil in your car, it's not the devil's fault when your engine blows up. If you frivolously spend money while ignoring God's instructions about giving, it's not the devil's fault that you're always broke. But you see, in this case, I started listing all the things that have been happening, happening when we really took a look at where we were and we decided to become a campus of First NLR. I started thinking about all the things that, that you've been facing and I've been facing. Unexpected serious illness that doctors can't figure out. It's affecting our team. It's affecting our church. Crazy things going wrong. Stuff that's never happened before. People expressing themselves with irrational anger. Anxiety and depression plaguing many of our people. It seems like Satan is attacking on every front. And many of you are feeling the same thing. It's time to fight. Now, don't worry, we're not going to get weird or wacky. But we are going to recognize that we're in a battle and we're going to fight back. Because we're not going to allow Satan to steal our victory. We're not going to allow Satan to steal our unity and to distract us from our mission or devastate our health or rob us of our joy. You see, we've got two powerful weapons. The the way that we fight the enemy is with prayer and worship. You see, worship invites the presence and the power of God. And prayer, specifically praying the scriptures, builds your faith. And it tears down Satan's power in your life. And so today we're going to learn how to pray the way that Jesus taught. If you don't sense that you're currently in a battle, the learning is still good for you. I want you to be prepared and ready when the enemy comes against you. If you are in the battle, this is an important teaching for an important season of your life. Jesus' disciples asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. In response to their question, Jesus taught them how to pray. It's a passage, it's a prayer that has become known as the Lord's Prayer. It's found in, in chapter Matthew chapter 6 and Luke chapter 11. If you grew up in church, you've heard the Lord's Prayer many, many times. You might even have it memorized. If you didn't grow up in church, you've probably heard it on a TV show or in a movie. And so over the course of the next six weeks, we're going to memorize the Lord's Prayer together. I believe that this series is perfect timing for where we are as a church. I'm going to put it on the screen, so I want you to read it out loud with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And that is the kingdom and the power. Glory forever.
We're going to memorize this prayer not because those are the exact words that you have to pray. Instead, we're going to learn it as a pattern or a path to follow as you pray. And I want to teach you how to pray through this passage of Scripture. Listen, if you struggle with, with knowing what to say or how to pray, this is going to help you. Right? If you sit down and you say, man, I'm going to pray for 30 minutes, and two minutes later after you've started, you're through your list and you don't know what else to do, this pattern will help. Now, this is not the only pattern to pray. Um, if you've got a way that you're already praying or a pattern that you follow, listen, I'm excited that you're spending time with God. I'm not trying to make you pray a certain way, but this is a good way. Well, it's a great way because it's what Jesus taught. Now, we're not going to take a theological journey through the Lord's Prayer, and instead, I'm going to share with you how to use the Lord's Prayer to guide your daily interaction with God and to challenge you to pray this way. As we learn the Lord's Prayer, it helps to remember that people in Jesus' time had a high regard for communal prayer. William Barclay wrote, The prayer of an individual always tends to be or runs the risk of being selfish, and therefore the highest kind of prayer is the prayer of the community. The Jews had a, had a horror of, of selfishness in prayer, and therefore stressed the need of praying in and with the community. And we may well remember that the words I, me, my, and mine never appear in the Lord's Prayer. You see, in the Lord's Prayer, we are taught to pray not just as individuals, but as a church. This is valuable learning. You see, in Jesus' time, one of the prayers to a false god started this way. God of heaven and earth, firstborn of anew, dispenser of kingship, chief executive of the assembly of gods, father of the gods and men, grantor of agriculture, lord of the airspace. That's a lot of words. But you see, in, in their belief pattern, if you didn't call the God by the correct name, the right God might not listen. And you had to use all those titles so that the right God would listen to your prayer. You see, correct language and skill in praying were required. But you see, all of that flowery language isn't required when you pray to your Heavenly Father. Instead, you can simply say, Father. Jesus started this prayer this way. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Let's look at it. Our Father. Notice here that it doesn't say my Father, or your Father, or even just Father. But it says our Father. You see, regardless of your race, your background, your immigration, or socioeconomic statics, the one thing that we all have in common as followers of Jesus is our Heavenly Father. You see, that eliminates exclusivity in our prayer. We all have access to our Father. He is our Father. He is our Father. It's important that you approach God as a Father, not just as Lord or Master but his father. You can have intimacy and deep relationship for a father. You can approach a father without fear. You can believe that a father has your best interest at heart. You can ask things of a father that you can't ask anywhere else. 
Now listen, I understand that some people have a skewed concept of the Heavenly Father because of a crummy earthly father. But the true concept of God as your father is secure and liberating. You see, in our world, a, a, a man can father a child without ever putting eyes on her. But the word used here is more a sense of fatherhood. It describes a relationship of love and intimacy and confidence and trust between a father and a child. You see, God is the father in, in the fatherhood sense of the word. You can have an intimate loving, and lifelong relationship with God. You can feel safe with your heavenly Father. He knows you. He knows everything about you. And he loves you with an everlasting, unconditional love. He knows you. I have see our father he knows you he knows everything about you he knows your faults and your failures your flaws and your mistakes and he 
loves you anyway. Listen, can I tell you, we serve a God that's big enough for you to question him. See, some people have an issue with that. Well, you can't doubt God. Man, Scripture is full of examples where, where men and women doubted God and doubted what God was doing. And listen to me, just because you're struggling with something doesn't mean that, that God's angry at you. It doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. He gets it, and he loves you. Our Father, which art in heaven. You see, although God lives in us, his dwelling place is also in heaven. God has a different perspective in heaven. God sees and knows things that we cannot see or know. God is above our circumstances. He's above our limitations. He's above even our abilities. Our Heavenly Father is above anything that we can conceive. You can trust Him because He's bigger than you. He knows all and He sees all. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, or holy is your name. Listen, start your time with God every day with praise, thanking him for who he is, for what he's done for you, and praising him for the blessings that are in your life. Why? Because the blessings you have, he's given you. Thank him for loving you and allowing you to have a personal relationship with him. When I pray this prayer, I pray our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then I begin my time of prayer by thanking him. Now, I don't have a list. I don't say the same things every day. I just say thank you. Thank you, God, for loving me. Thank you, God, for saving me. Thank you, God, for your grace. Thank you for loving me enough to send your son to die on the cross for me. That's the greatest gift you could have ever have given. Thank you, Lord. Lord, you are so holy. You are awesome. You're an incredible God. I am amazed by your love. Hallowed be thy name. Thank you, God, for a healthy church family. Thank you for a healthy church where, where my family can worship and serve you. Thank you for people that love us. God, thank you for the leadership team here at Mejia First Assembly. Thank you for our unity and our love for each other. Lord, thanks for the great day we had at church yesterday. God, thank you for gifting chastity to lead us into worship. God, thank you for gifting us with your presence. God, thank you, Lord, for my family. Lord, thank you that my boys have already decided to be a lifelong follower of Christ. And thank you that I know that my daughter will make that decision as well. God, thank you for Tina. God, thank you that she loves me and she supports me. God, she is faithful to you and she is faithful to me. Thank you for giving her to me. God, thank you for our home. Thank you for my health. Thank you that I've got a bed to sleep in, a truck to drive, and clothes to wear. 
Thank you for all of the material blessings that you've given us. I've seen so many people all over the world who don't have anything. God, I thank you that I've got food today to eat. There's so much to be thankful for. Thank you, Lord, for giving me, uh, for allowing me the chance to serve you with my entire life. God, thank you for using me to influence others for the kingdom. God, thank you for letting me serve here in Mahia. Thank you, for God, for, for leaders and mentors that you've placed in my life. God, thank you, God, for encouragers. Listen, if you're an encourager to me and my wife, I call you out by name to God. Why? Because I thank God for you. Are you getting the picture? Now, I, I don't have a list. I don't have a time limit. I keep thanking God until I run out of things to thank God for. It's an awesome way to start the day. Why? Because it puts me in the right frame of mind, ready to have a positive approach and a thankful heart. Start your prayer time by saying thank you. We've got so much to be thankful for, don't we? When you begin your prayer with thanksgiving, when you begin your prayer that way, it's unbelievable how it changed your attention from yourself to him. When you focus on God by thanking him, all of a sudden it takes your eyes off of your troubles and your problems and it puts them on God. Now I want to answer some questions that you haven't asked, but you probably will. The first one is, what if I spend all of my time thanking God and I never get to my request? Doesn't God get bored hearing me thank him? Well, let me answer that question this way. Do you ever get tired of people being grateful to you? Right? Is there someone in your life that, that you would say, man, I wish he wouldn't be so grateful? Right? I wish he would just take some things for granted. And instead of always sending thank you notes and saying nice things, I wish he would just stop being so thankful. Right? Have you ever said that about anybody? Do you ever correct your children for saying thank you? Now, now, baby, you need to quit that. Quit telling grandma thank you for your presence. Grandma doesn't want to hear that. Of course not. You teach your children gratitude to never take blessings for granted. And before you, you go into the house, you tell them, now everyone listen to me. You will say thank you. Right? It doesn't matter if they give you pickled onions and, and pig's feet. You will eat it and you will like it and you will say thank you and you will be happy. And then if they're a little bit slow to say it, you prompt them with, now Jonathan, what do you say? You see, you teach your children to say thank you, even if the gift is crummy, because you understand the principle. It's important to be grateful, to not just take things for granted. Isn't that interesting? We teach our children to be grateful, but we often don't take time to be grateful ourselves. I wonder if God 
wants to look down from heaven and go, hey, what do you say? Have you ever been to a little kid's birthday party, like a five or a six-year-old? And they're excited about their gifts, aren't they? Man, they're laughing, they're high-fiving, they're like pushing other kids to get away from their presence. And then they open your gift, and they say, I already have this. Ever had that happen to you? How did it feel? Right? You wanted to grab the present and go, well, here, you don't get it anyways. Right? But that's not the right thing to do. And so you still give it to them because it's the right thing to do. But their lack of gratitude takes the joy out of giving. It's more fun to give to someone who expresses gratitude. You see, I think God is the same way. He enjoys giving gifts to his children, but he enjoys it so much more when we're thankful. How do I know that? 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything. What were those two words? In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Did you hear that? In everything, give thanks, because it's the what? The will of God. You see, God wants you to say thank you. And in fact, it's his will that you're thankful for him. When you're praying, thank you, God, you can be assured that you're in the dead center of his will for your life. Now, the, the, the second question What if I don't feel thankful? Man, I get that. Some mornings, I don't feel thankful either. But you see, it doesn't matter how I feel. You know how it goes. Your alarm clock doesn't go off. Well, that's the story you tell. Actually, it went off and you hit the snooze four times. And now you're running late. It's a mad dash getting ready and trying to get to work on time. And then you get outside and your gas tank is on empty, especially if you had to take your wife's vehicle. And there is a line at the gas station to get gas. And then when you get to work, it begins to pour rain. And then when you get inside, you're soaking wet and the boss is standing right outside your office and she doesn't look happy. You see, on those days, it's even more important that you spend time thanking God. Thanking him gives you perspective. Thanking him helps you to focus on what you have instead of what you don't have. It helps you to focus on the blessings instead of the challenges. Regardless of how you feel, start your time of prayer thanking him. Listen, anyone can say thank you when things are good. A true heart of gratitude shows up when all of your stuff has been stolen and you've lost it all. When your kids mess up again. When the doctor gives you a bad report. When your home is damaged in the storm. When you don't get the promotion at work. When instead of getting a tax return, you actually have to pay more money in. 
You see, a true heart of gratitude shows up when it seems that Satan is attacking you on every front. On the worst day, you still serve a heavenly father who loves you, who forgives you, and who has a wonderful plan for your life. Listen, there is always a reason to be thankful. If you don't feel thankful, you need to find a new perspective. You need to spend time around people who have less, people who face challenges that you've never faced. You see, the more I see suffering around this world, the more thankful I am for the blessings. Here's what I've learned, and I call it the receiving progression. The first stage is called blessing. You remember this stage. It's the first time that you receive something, and you're excited about it. You get a $100 Christmas bonus at work, and you're fired up about it. You're like giving your boss a hug. You're calling your wife on the, on the phone. And, and then that next stage is expectation. After three years in a row, you now expect a $100 Christmas bonus. It's no longer seen as a blessing, but as something you expect. You may still express thanks, but it's really not that big of a deal. And in fact, most of you spend the money before you've even got it. The third stage is entitlement. After some time, you forget that the bonus was ever optional. If you don't receive it, you feel ripped off. And now you don't even bother saying thank you. Why? Because you're supposed to get that. I deserve that bonus. You see, I never want to reach the place with God where I feel entitled to his blessings. I want to be forever thankful, remembering that I only have what I have because of his grace. Blessing. I have a wonderful church. The expectation, it's supposed to be wonderful every week, and it better be the way I like it. Entitlement. If they make a mistake, if they say something I don't like or they mess up in any way, I'm mad. You see, an entitled attitude takes all of the joy out of giving. I wonder if, if when you view your blessings as an entitlement, does it take the joy of giving from God? Third question. What if I forget to thank God for something? Will it tick him off? Now, let me set you at ease. God doesn't have a checklist up in heaven. Well, let's see. Jason thanked me for my grace. He thanked me for healing, and he thanked me for forgiveness. But, man, he forgot mercy today. No mercy for Jason. He obviously isn't very grateful. You see, it's not about saying everything every day. It's about an attitude of gratitude, coming to God with thanksgiving. No matter what is happening in your life, good or bad, saying, Lord, I choose to thank you. Thank you, Lord, for everything you've given to me. In the middle of your worst attack should be when you're the most grateful. See, I never want to take for granted all that God has given me. 
I want to position my attitude and my heart the right way as I start my prayer and I start my day. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You are holy, God. It's an honor and a privilege to be in a relationship with you. I thank you, Jesus. You see, that's what we're going to do today. For the next couple of minutes, I want you to just close your eyes and begin to thank God. And this time, I don't want you to present any requests for yourself or for others. Instead, just start saying thank you. Thank him for who he is and for what he's done. Thank him for what he's given you. And as you thank him, remember that he is still the same God. You might be in the midst of a difficult season. You may be in the middle of a battle. And gratitude is our weapon in the fight. Gratitude reminds you what God has done and what he still has the power to do. You see, gratitude takes your eyes off the difficulties and it focuses on Jesus and his love and his grace. You see, when Satan is fighting the hardest, we're gonna be the most thankful. Satan cannot and will not steal our victory. We will say thank you even in the midst of the storm. We will pray and we will thank the God who delivers us. We will pray and we will thank the God who heals. We will thank our God who protects us and surrounds us. We will worship God and we will watch as he wins the battle for us. Man, aren't you thankful that we serve that kind of God? That's what I want you to do. We're going to take just a couple of minutes and thank him. Would you close your eyes? Brenda's going to continue to just play, and I'm going to be quiet. This isn't prayers for yourself or, or prayers for anyone else. All I want you to do is to take two minutes and just thank him. Thank him for what he's done for you. And you can do it out loud or you can do it silently. But let's do that for two minutes. Let's just thank him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God, thank you. Thank you. God, I thank you for a healthy church family. God, I thank you for a church family that prioritizes you. God, I thank you for a church that, that lives out our core value, that everything's better in teams. God, I thank you for your power in our lives. 
God, I thank you for the power to break addiction. God, I thank you for the, the power to break, God, the, the devastating habits that we get into. God, thank you that, that you've got the power to break depression and anxiety. God, thank you for your grace. God, thank you that you love us in spite of all of our faults and our mistakes. God, thank you that you love us, God, even when we doubt you and we doubt your ways. God, when we question the very thing you do, God, thank you for continuing to love us. God, thank you for your love. God, thank you for your love towards us and and your love towards others. God, thank you that you loved me enough to send Jesus to die on the cross for me. God, thank you for everything you do in our life. God, thank you for your blessings. Lord, we recognize that everything we have comes from you. And God, today we are grateful for that. God, today we say thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Say that with me, church. Thank you, Jesus. Say it again. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, we don't focus on ourselves. We simply look to you and we say thank you. Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I told you at the start of the message that we're in a spiritual battle. I feel that some of you that are in here feel the same way. If you're in the midst of a, of a battle, I want you to stand up. We're not going to do anything weird or, or wacky. But if you feel like you're in the middle of a battle, I want you to just stand up right where you are. Yeah. I do that because I want you to know that you're not alone. You're not alone. And sometimes the enemy wants to make you think that you're alone and you're not. We are in this battle together. And listen, we will fight this battle against the enemy with prayer and worship. I want you to listen to 1 Corinthians 10, 3 through 4. It says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war 
as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not with weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish. Man, I love that word, to demolish strongholds. Listen, we fight a spiritual battle with spiritual weapons. And we tear down strongholds. We tear down strongholds of defeat. We tear down strongholds of discouragement. We tear down strongholds of sickness and disease. We tear down strongholds of depression. We tear down the stronghold of jealousy, anger, and fear. And we tear down everything that the enemy uses against us because the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world, but they've got the divine power to demolish strongholds. And so we tear down the enemy with prayer. We tear down strongholds that the enemy has with worship. Listen to me. You will not be defeated because according to 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So we will fight with worship Believing that God is on our side, this is how we fight.